Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way Podcast. I am always fascinated by the unknown, the the things that can't be explained. I read a quote, I cannot say who it's from recently, that science does a wonderful job of explaining the known, and life does a great job of so of let, allowing us to experience the unknown. And one of those things is energy or flow. And so there's, you know, the flow state stuff with Joe Dispenza and Jamie Wheel, but there's a deeper, maybe older concept of flow that goes back thousands and thousands of years and really in some ways was the first science. And so I'm, I'm really excited today to have a, my dear friend and, and uh, an expert in this area, uh, Beverly Beal. Be- Beverly is the founder of the Intuitive Interior and is a feng shui expert based here in Austin, Texas. Hey, Bev. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. I did. This is not one of the questions that I sent to you in advance because it's more biographical. But when did you know that you had a gift or a, a yeah? When did you know you had the gift of sort of sensing or reading energy and ener- energetic flow? I have a very vivid memory of riding in the pickup truck with my dad in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a water witcher. So, uh, oftentimes whenever there would be a farmer whose well had run dry, they give him a call and he would go out with his copper L rod, you know, and if, if, if you can Mm -hmm. just imagine, I'm going to just describe this, uh, for those who are listening, um, you know, it's just this ancient pickup held together with duct tape and, and prayers and maybe a little bit of twisted wire, He's got his one arm hanging on his right arm, hanging on top of the the steering wheel and just kind of just meandering around through this field with his left arm out of the window and this L rod until, and he would just kind of feel until he'd feel like, you know, just kind of drive it until he felt a tug. Mm -hmm. Then he'd stop the the truck, get out, get the other rod and start walking until he felt them cross. Mm. The first time that I ever felt energy move through my body was when he gave me those same rods and I felt them cross and, and it was, it honestly kind of freaked me out. And so how I reacted was by kind of like shaking a little bit and then swinging them around because it was like, you know, I had to figure out a way to discharge that energy out of my body. And I never got to touch them again (laughs) because apparently that was being disrespectful to the tools. So, (laughs) um, but apparently I was one of the only kids who could actually feel that. Um, It wasn't until many, many, many years later when I was 36 I had been di- just gotten a diagnosis of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, went through, you know, but I, I was the one who who felt it. I was the one who pushed for it. It's like, you guys need to test because there's something off here. Mm-hmm. Don't know what it is. Um, but because my go-to way of avoiding energy and avoiding um, really all the, the input that was coming to me was being overly busy. Um, when I was so exhausted, I, that I could not busy myself. That's when I started to really have to pay attention to what was showing up for me. And, um, I, I remember vividly one time when I was so just, I was just exhausted from chemo 
And I was wondering, well, what's going on with my, I'm just curious what the kids are doing. Next thing I know, I kind of feel myself lift up outside of my body. I'm floating over and, and hanging out in the, in the room where the kids were going to school at the time. And then I thought, well, gosh, I wonder what's going on with Alan. Cause that was kind of cool. They're fine. Came over, saw the spreadsheet that he was working on at his office. Mm. And then I asked him about it later and, and he was really like, how, how did, how did you know that? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That was weird. Um, the final clicker though, uh, the thing that clinched that sealed the whole deal was when I finished with everything and, you know, because I love to celebrate everything if I can, um, we had an end of cancer party. One mm. of my neighbors gave me a book on feng shui. I started mm. following things along in that book and just it almost, you know, within a day or two, what I, my intention had been manifested mm-hmm. and, and it was, it was to, enough to the point where I thought, Hey, if I can create this kind of transformation, just reading a book, mm-hmm. what if I actually knew what I was doing? Mm. <laughs> and that's when I started taking classes. Um, mm. Things really didn't turn around for me though, until, um, I was able to, to learn this, what is called energy hygiene. And it's, it's simply as a way of uh, separating yourself or identifying what emotions are yours and what emotions belong to other people. Um, you know, there's this term energy empath that is tossed about like candy these days. I mean, the reality, everybody is sending out little little Wi-Fi signals to see, okay, so are you a match? Are you a match? Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? You've got something I want over here. And you plug yourself into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then combined that knowledge and that ability to work through, you know, to, to, to separate, okay, what's mine? What's my clients? What is my client being influenced by? And then taking that and using that same energy or the, the knowledge I got the studying feng shui to see how can we take that and then use the physical environment mm-hmm. so that it can enhance everybody everything about right. what the experience is. Yeah, its own kind of optimization to use a mm-hmm. performance word. Well, that's a great thank you for that background. That's fascinating. And those childhood gifts and the fact that. Yeah, it kind of goes with a working theory that I have is that people that are close to the land are have which which powers they have, you know, <laughs> mystical powers because they're close to the land. There's something about that. Um, so th- there's a science behind this. It may not have a science field unto itself, but when you think about flow. You 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 know that's the kind of the first area to to explore with you is you look at something like and. Correct me, please, if I'm saying this incorrectly, but like key, you know, chi. The, the chi. Okay. Uh, so chi as an energy, that's an idea that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. But what is now the, what, what do you know of the science behind it? Maybe not the hard science, but there's something there. And how is science helping us frame this? So it's not just seen as kind of a, uh, uh, you know, pseudo pseudoscience, but because I know that there's more hard science out there about this. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, the, again, this is where I get lazy because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I know there's a lot of science. There's a lot of organizational psychology that goes, that, that teaches a lot about this. There's a lot of the, um, 
like biophilic design that architects use, uh, you know, bringing the you know natural world inside and and using those kinds of forms, um, because you know. But the simple fact is, we work best when we are connected to nature, mm. and everything about feng shui is about how do we harness the flow um, of the natural environment? How do we look at, you know, how how is nature uh, impacting us? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you kind of touched on something uh, that I think, think is a little bit amusing is that, you know, you say that people who are connected to the land tend to be a little bit more, more mystical or more spiritual. Um, we all have this, whether mm-hmm. we are connected to the earth or not, the difference is when we're not connected to the earth, we think we're separate from nature. Mm. And when we when we tap into nature, when we tap into the natural flow of the day, you know, um, we're talking about the um, uh, oh, what's it called? You know, where your 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 wake sleep wake cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we, when we are not paying attention to the weather, you know, that's the thing with farming, you're, you live and die literally by the weather report. The, the mm-hmm. number one thing that, you know, the only thing, only thing that my dad ever turned the TV on for was the weather report, because that would tell him, do I need to stay up until midnight tonight to keep harvesting or can I mm-hmm. actually sleep? Yeah. Um, you know, when is it planting time is, you know, the, the farmer's almanac is, it is, is not the original um, tool that was, that would be considered an energy tool, uh, but it's, it's, you know, that, that type of a, of a um, information has been available forever. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about, you know, like when I talk about flow regarding uh, you know, feng shui, mm-hmm. I'm typically assessing how things are moving, you know, flowing in the house. Um, your, the doorways are very important, knowing where the windows are. Um, how is the natural movement of people, the patterns in, you know, as they're coming into their home and, or their office and, and working, um, because feng shui translates to wind and water, you're looking at how, like, think about how a, a stream is the you know is optimized you know it is a gently meandering stream if it's the flow mm-hmm. is too fast then there's not it's hard for anything to really gain root and and thrive if mm-hmm. the flow is too slow it becomes stagnant and you know you get algae bloom and you know there's no oxygen available for fish to to survive so so you you're you know the i when i'm looking at a place i want to see a gentle meandering with the wind it's the same kind of a thing the, the flow of the wind we all want good airflow i mean heck we, how much money do we spend on <laughs> air conditioning <laughs> right. uh, you know heating we want a nice gentle breeze we don't need to be living in gale force winds, nor do we want that hot, sticky, sultry day that just makes us feel like we can never move again because it's mm-hmm. just too hot. Um, <clears throat> so modern design, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are designing homes to, to meet a certain visual aesthetic, but many times they forget the flow aspect. 
And mm-hmm. that's when you walk into some of these modern, modern constructions that it's like, well, wait a minute, how, how can we even get comfortable in here? It's mm-hmm. all squares and rectangles and hard edges. Um, the, that's, that's the furthest thing from nature that you mm-hmm. can get. Um, right. so yeah, I kind of, yeah, that's yeah. where, that's where flow kind of comes in with, with good design. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, obviously you're, you're the expert here, but I, you know, part of this podcast is me learning things and, you know, talking about what I'm learning along the way. And I look at flow, well, first of all, flow is the, uh, is something that in all the, pretty much all indigenous peoples believed in a type of energy that was in everything, you know, mm-hmm. before there was monotheism, it was this idea of, you know, God or the universe or energy and everything. And then it was given, you know, names and legends to explain its source and, and so that the, the human mind could comprehend it. That's not really a science thing. To me, design is the science of flow. And it's, you know, it's around spaciousness. Uh, it's around and you see within design related to like you're referring to like architectural design, but also design like graphic design, like logos or mm. the, uh, the user experience. Um, and what's interesting to me too, is that design flow is to design is, is how human design is how humans use flow. Um, and it's a choice and it can be intentional nature. The rest of nature just does what it does. And it's flow. Naturally, you look at like a game trail and the way it cuts through, um, or you look at the way that the water runs downstream or the way a tree adapts to the, you know, the the uh, gradient of the slope, all those things are just the things in nature finding the flow state that's already there. We, we do it. And, and, and when we do it, it's really, to me, it's, it's around design. And what I think then is fascinating is it's sort of reverse engineering from there. When, when things are not well-designed, they lack an intentionality and there's something off. And now not everyone recognizes that. Like you said, anyone, we're all, you know, creatures that have this ability to tap into and sense flow. But if you're a lower conscious person, you're not maybe aware of all of it. But how many times have you heard somebody say, I oh, just, the place, it just didn't feel right. You know, just something felt off. And it wasn't just yeah. people. Sometimes that's just, we're mammals and we read each other's nervous systems. There's something else that's deeper than that related to the fact that something is not there, there, there's a disturbance in the design. And so I think, you know, which kind of goes into my next question is, is how do you, how do you then encourage flow in your home or business? Like, obviously that people can hire you and you come in and help them, but how, what are some other areas that are yeah, naturally, you could, that, that would be easy for people to implement that encourage flow in their home or business. One of the easiest uh, ways to to look at, is to look at your space as if you are a a little child with eyes full of wonder and curiosity. Um, when and then walk into your home and see what immediately captures your attention. Um, in feng shui, one of the things that uh, really is, is a difficult thing to um, to overcome is 
having a front door lining up with the back directly with the back door. Now I know back mm-hmm. in the day you needed that because there was no air conditioning. Yeah. And so you needed those shotgun right. homes so that you get shotgun the airflow home. coming through. But even then there were always rooms off the, off of the, that main hallway. And so making sure there was something interesting for this curious chi, this child to mm-hmm. go and, and take a look at, um, the that's number one is just when you walk into a home, finding something that interests that, you know, that, that, that allows that energy to just pause a little bit and be able to regulate mm-hmm. home. You know, Cause when you come from the outside world, you're already coming from a state of, um, you know, just you're being bombarded constantly. And so in order for you to be able to come in and feel like, okay, my, now my nervous system can relax. Now I can take that breath mm-hmm. and recalibrate. Um, and looking at your entryway, that's the number one thing. You know, mm-hmm. what kind of a what kind of a curb appeal are you coming home to? And I'm not talking about, you know, for anybody who is, you know, pulling into their garage, that includes your garage, making mm-hmm. sure that it's you're, you can start to relax a little bit once you get in. So that's when you know having having an organized garage is going to make a huge difference. The other thing is when you're setting up your desk, if you're working from home, like a lot of us are still are, um, or in your bed, uh, wherever your bed placement is, having a solid wall behind you gives that subliminal feeling of support. Um, It's, you know, if you'll, (laughs) there was a huge trend in home building for a long time where they would have these built-in desks and everybody thought, oh, this is great. (laughs) The problem was you can't move that. And so your back is exposed. And even if you're home alone, if your dog or your cat are making a noise, the first thing that you do is you, you're, you instinctively turn around and see, oh, what's behind me? Yeah. Because there's that feeling that there's a lack of safety behind you. But when you have the wall behind you, when you have a clear view of the door or a window, you can see what's around you. So this, again, is dealing with our mammalian brain wanting to right. have safety. Um, and then the other, the, the last piece that uh, I would, I recommend for everybody that's accessible to, to all people is don't you let your piles, let, let the, don't let the clutter terrify you. Mm. Um, oftentimes I found that I've, I, in my practice, and again, I've been doing this since 2004, um, there really are three reasons why people um, get clutter you know, coming into their world. Um, the first one is sometimes you just have more stuff than you really need or that you know how to organize well. Um, the second one is that, quite frankly, your life may just be so busy that it gets put on the back burner. You know, you think, oh, well, it only take you 15, 20 minutes to, to like tidy everything up. Well, guess what? Given the choice between spending those 15, 20 minutes reading to your kid or tidying up a pile, you're choosing, well, I hope you're choosing the, the, the time spent with your child. Mm -hmm. Um, but the third reason is a little bit deeper and that often is a, um, it is all about the, the, the fear, or there's usually some kind of really deep emotion that is trapped mm-hmm. at the bottom of that pile. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is an inherited fear. 
Um, I grew up with, with parents who were raised during the depression. We never threw anything away. So there was a lot of this um, hoarding tendency that I had to overcome. They never did. When we cleaned out their house, it was very clear that they never did. <laughs> Although it was really a cool time capsule. Um, mm. But the other thing too, is if there's something underneath at the bottom of that pile that you've been avoiding, then that is essentially you putting pressure on it. Like uh, you're trying to just suppress it. It is a, a physical manifestation of an internal emotion suppression, suppression process. Um, hmm. either way, when you get to a point, if you're really tired of, of one of those piles, start by just taking the whole thing and flipping it upside down, yeah. deal with whatever's been on the bottom of that pile. And it just is like this immediate relief every time I've done it. Cause again, I'm, I'm human. I still have, I'm sitting here looking at a couple of piles right now <laughs> going, mm-hmm. ah, gotta get to those. But, but that's another easy thing that people mm-hmm. can do without me coming around. Yeah. And no, I don't judge anybody based on their home. <laughs> I do an evaluation, but I'm not judging. I mean, everybody wow. has, there's, there's always good reasons for things being the way they are. Right. Yeah. Those are, those are really great tips. I, I, this is more like, um, you know, again, you're the expert here, but I think there are a couple of things that come to mind is, especially for homes is that, um, if you just to, to monitor your natural breath, pay, the pace of your breath in a room. And if you're, mm. because your nervous system is going to read the room before you do. Um, mm-hmm. And so it could be, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why your breath would be dysregulated, you know, cause you know, like animals breathe at a very consistent pace. Humans are breathless all over the place. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, but sometimes it could just be that you, the way you've laid something out, maybe you've chosen what you think is functionality when it's really, when it's really the higher functionality is that there's an ease in the space um, with your breath. The other one is, is if, as a general rule, if you can take a nap in the room, then your room is probably okay. Because, <laughs> because you know, like you can't, if you can't, if you have trouble snapping or sleeping like a bedroom, for example, if it, if it's not laid out, right. If it's not structured, right. You're again, your nervous system knows. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's tuning into that. And I love what you were saying about, you know, piles and, and getting organized is, you know, there, it's kind of the law of entropy that things, things without intervention or uh, kind of revert to dysregulation. I don't like mm-hmm. the word chaos because chaos is an important part of the creative process. Um, and so order is a reminder of choice. And so if you feel dysregulated and things are disordered, it's, be- it's because maybe you forgot that you have a choice. And that once you have mm-hmm. choice back, even if it's a small thing, you know, one, one of the, one of the hundreds and hundreds of things that Virginia and I found that we had in common when we got together is when we get back from a trip, it doesn't matter what time it is. We put everything away, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a sense of like, I'm exhausted. It was a long trip. The plane was delayed, all these things you couldn't control, but I can control putting my clothes in the laundry, putting away my, 
you know, kit bag, you know, all of that. And I can control that. And there's something about, about that. And I see this in businesses too, a sense of, I mean, you know, cubicles and fluorescent lights, you wouldn't do that. To, you know, dairy farmers treat their cows better than that. Um, <laughs> and yeah. so, so it, those are examples in the business world of why are things set up the way they are? And my final thing here too, is art can turn almost any space into a better space, mm-hmm. you know, and it's why, you know, the first, the first language was art and why cave art was the first kind of communication of uh, between, between humans. And, and I think, again, we, we kind of live in a, in an Ikea world, you know, where things are highly functional, but there's something, and again, I have a, I am looking at, I have a Kia and a Kia futon that I'm looking at right over here, but there's something missing that the, in the art of, of how we use space, at least in my observation. Well, a lot of it is the human touch. Uh, we've commodified art. Oh, yes. we, we've, we've moved away from actually getting something that an, another human's hand has painted or mm-hmm. crafted or molded. Um, and I think one of the challenges is that art is, is some, in my mind, art, art brings in that, that human element, you're, you're sharing the energy of it, but you're also having to understand that you're getting a part of that artist's personality. Right. And because so many of us are living in dysregulation, we are looking at a lot of the art and and the art has been created from a space of the artist's own Mm -hmm. dysregulation. And, and so the goal is to find, find something that matches the challenge of course, is when you, um, so here's, here's a little, uh, it's interesting that you bring this up. I actually have a really lovely piece of art. Uh, it's original it's upstairs. It's in the same tube that this person sent to me. I cannot bring myself to get rid of it. But at the same time, I also cannot bring myself to frame it because Mm. of that emotional connection that I have now with that artist that it has become so difficult. You know, there, there was, there was, um, you know, there just, there, 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 sometimes that personal rift can be in there. Mm -hmm. I, it is, it is such a well-done piece though. Um, and so because I am who I am and I know what I know that emotional piece, there's not the the emotion of that would actually cause more of a, again, Mm. dysregulation in a space. Now, what I'd love to do is be able to find the right person who would not have that personal connection. They would see it as a gift from me. And I would hope that they would think that it's a, oh my gosh, I can't believe you thought of me kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Um, uh, but the shape and colors in art really can do a, a massive thing to, you know, they can be a massive bonus uh, to any space. Yeah. Um, and how we arrange our furniture is also art. Right. How you have things set up where you can make it cozy or where you can make it feel, you know, more expansive or, or intimate. Um, 
designers, you know, interior designers, they, I've been educating quite a few of them on how to take what they're putting together and using some of these energetic tools and, you know, just the, these, the viewpoint so that they don't inadvertently design a space that's harmful. Now, now, now not so harmful, but just not as supportive as it could be. Right. Um, yeah. I love what you said. It's a great reminder related to, to the, to the commoditization of art. It's not really art. If it's a commodity, it's, yeah. it's, it's what I call hotel art. You know, it's there. It's uh, there, and it's it's true in music. It's where there's background music now, and there's, uh, it's like uh, the 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 potted plants syndrome, you know, of uh, like the fake the fake trees, mm-hmm. um, and and it's interesting is that I think, my opinion that that it doesn't just disturb the flow, the natural flow. It it doesn't just block it. It it creates almost a kind of energetic toxicity. And I know that sounds crazy, but I, I go into like home goods and it exhausts me like to be there, like physically exhausts me. And, you know, we bought some stuff from home goods. They're still there, but I have to like gear up for the fact that, it, that there's it's, you know, or I could go to an art gallery and I could be there for hours and still feel great. And it's like, I have to listen to that. My body is telling me something. And that's why it kind of goes into this third question is, is how, do, what are, what do you see as you're working with people and, you know, doing, doing what you do, how are we creating some of our, like maybe even inadvertently creating some of our own um, obstacles to this, like where we're doing it. It's not just that that it's not just the way the house was built because somebody else built the house. Maybe if you're like, you know, buying an existing home, but just like day-to-day things that are creating obstructions. What do you see? What are you seeing? Uh, One of the biggest ways that we do get into, get in our own ways is um, not believing that we are worthy of more. Mm. Um, it takes work to overcome some of the inherited patterns of, you know, it's okay. It's, this is just good enough. Um, and you know, settling and mm. I, I'm a, I, I, okay. So, so let me kind of explain a little bit more on that sure. because there's, there's a, I will have things in my world that they are serving a function and I am still working towards upgrading into something that is better. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm just going to use a a very current event ceiling fan issue. We've got these perfectly functioning ceiling fans in our living room. I don't like them. They're ugly. They're, you know, original. So they're over 20 plus years old. They're still there because Mm -hmm. what I want is a little bit still out of my mental price range Mm -hmm. to replace that. That is there. The difference here is I know that they will be replaced. And when, then I'm, and I'm almost ready to pull the trigger. I've been working towards this, but up and, but for now they're still functional. They mm-hmm. are still doing the job. 
the difference what I'm where I'm getting at with especially getting in our own ways, but and again coming back to the whole art piece uh, right. and how we are and how we are are living and it, you know the art the work the people. If I were truly settling instead of using the you know as a as a pause point towards the next thing, I would be saying, oh well, I'm never going to buy any new fans because. That's just all that I'm, you know, I don't need to ever buy any, I don't even spend anything to, you know, to make it look nice. I don't right. need, you know, it's fine, you know, it's and, fine. and then suddenly <laughs> it's fine. Suddenly we're all that dog in, you know, with the, at the sitting at the table, trying to drink a cup of coffee with flames burning all around you. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I, I then take that and look at the society in general, because Again, coming back to art, looking at flow, looking at energy, how I approach the world around me, the people around me, how I interact with everything else around me, that is all how I get my energy. And, right. and so, you know, you mentioned, Justin, that you go into home goods and it's like, oh my gosh, it's just so depleting. Number one, part of that is just decision fatigue. Um <laughs> You know, yeah. you're like, there, there's so many no's around. You're like, oh, no, 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 ooh, mm-hmm. no. Um, and and it just, it takes a lot more effort to find the yes, or even sometimes a maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of, you know, stuff coming at you all the time is difficult to deal with. In addition, when you're not in like an art gallery where there are people who are actively tapping into the all that is to create um it it just feels very slower vibration Mm, um and and when you're when you know you're doing that when you know you're going into that you know it's it's like okay i'm gonna go start walking through in a space that feels like i'm walking through molasses you know, I'm treading water. It's a little more effort and you're going to be more, more tired versus when you're just, Hey, I'm just going to walk through, I'm on a moving sidewalk and we're just going to go through this art gallery. And this is amazing. And I can just be here all day. Um, there's, there's value in both of those experiences. It's just, you know, we always want to be doing things more in easy world. Yeah. I would say we, it goes back to what I said about choice, but I'll mm-hmm. use a different term here is that the things in our life that we're, we're not intentional about, I think lack of intentionality leads to kind of blocked flow mm-hmm. because flow is ultimately about consciousness and, or awareness. I mean, the, you don't add flow. The flow is already there. You just become aware of it. And if you have a lot of things in your life that are, that you're not paying attention to, and there's not some intentionality. And, and sometimes the opposite of intentionality is consumptiveness. You're just buying shit because that's what you do. And I, we fall, I fall into that. You know, I don't probably don't need most of the stuff that I buy from Amazon or whatever. And, but one of the things that I think brings intentionality to any sort of space is, is, is try to surround yourselves with things that have a story. Mm-hmm. Um, because the story is its own energy. It's, it's its own, almost like it's, again, it's what separates us from animals is that as far as we know, we're the only creatures that can tell stories that we can transfer to someone else. So you can tell me the story of your, of your dad, uh, water witching, and I can go home and tell that story 
having never water witch before, and the story still stands. So story is its own spiritual energy that's unique to humans. Again, it's why, um, you know, art was invented before um, uh, a written language, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe thousands of years before written language, because of its communication form of being able to tell stories. So you think about things that are intentional, things that have a story, and you just reverse engineer from there. As you look around a room and go, where did I get that? And what's it there for? And, you know, you get into a little bit of the Maria Kondo stuff here of, you know, of, of simplification, and there's some valuable, you know, insight in there. But here's the thing. I think most of it, it's kind of like even like the ceiling fan example, and the way you you said it, you know, you, you, the way you perceive the value is, I think there's a lot of unexamined thoughts. And I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of unexamined stories that we would call assumptions or expectations or projections, all of that is cluttered. So my theory is you could, you could, you could um, feng shui the shit out of a room as far as its flow. But if you bring your own shit into it, that's what that is. That's what that space is. And that's unique, I think, to humans, because again, we're, we're the only creatures that seem to have an existential crisis. You know, like we don't, where we doubt who we are, we doubt the meaning of life. And so it circles way back to the beginning of our conversation around, around nature. And we can still have the creature comforts of modern life with air conditioning and internet and, um, you know, the, the, you know, the mass produced furniture, <laughs> things like that. We can have all of that, but really what we're looking for is this balance between our inner harmony and then the room and spaces that we occupy because if we don't do that it's we're contributing to our own lack of consciousness it Mm -hmm. seems so where so one of the reasons why i was so drawn to studying energy whether it was feng shui whether it was you know the the um, transformational coaching that i do uh any of those modalities is kind of circling back to a comment that you made, you know, in the beginning of this conversation where, you know, you walk into a space and you just don't know why, but you don't feel comfortable or you feel like you can actually breathe. The thing that I've always valued about feng shui is there's a vocabulary that is used. It suddenly, okay, I I still don't know why I don't feel right, but this has a system that can help me understand why this doesn't quite work. So right. you assign value, you you create a story around why this needs to be where it is. What is this particular uh, item's job in this particular sector of the house? Okay, now, and I, when you see that item, um, you can say, oh, I put this here because the, the point of it is, is mm-hmm. to help me amplify my job opportunities. Right. Or I put these two, pair, these two items, this pair of items over here in this corner, because the story around that is so that I can look at that and become more aware of my thoughts around partnerships my marriage, who am I bringing in as a business partner, that type of stuff. Right. Um, 
you know, again, this, you, you really hit it on the head. It's the, it's, it's the unexamined life mm-hmm. and the unexamined thought mm-hmm. that, um, and the, the filters that we view our world through, um, that's where we, we, we find the pain. <laughs> that's where we, we, when, when there's that disconnect between what our heart wants and what our heart is pulling us towards and what our mind says, oh no, wait a minute. I can't yeah. have that because, you know, all throughout my life, I've been told that relationships are hard, that work mm-hmm. has to be difficult and painful and that money is the root of all evil and so why would i want to actually have any kind of financial uh stability because you know this is it's burning me in my mind the you know it's actually it's it's terrible um but that's the cool thing about our brains we get to we get to choose get to choose how do we how do we do this and and you know what this maybe didn't work for me in the past thank you ancestors for helping to keep me safe and do you know working with what you had up till now Mm -hmm. um but now i get to make a different decision right um yeah. And it's interesting too, when you think about our ancestors and so much of life was about survival and we keep a lot mm-hmm. of that, that survival, but you know, again, I don't want to be dis, uh, disrespectful to like economic, um, you know, insecurity, but most of the time, the things that we surround ourselves with, if we get to choose them, then why are we choosing what we're choosing? And this sounds super judgy, but I'm thinking like here in Austin, why is there a Chili's? when there's 1000 other restaurants to go to, it's, yeah, it's comfort. It's comfortable in the sense of like, I've always gone there. And um, I think there's a lot of things like that. And I think that that's what is the, 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 I'm not saying you get all of the feng shui and all of the chi together that you're just going to be happy dappy all the time. But one of the questions that I ask myself and when I'm coaching people or mentoring people is, how am I making this more difficult or how am I making this worse? And if you're doing a bunch of things that are not consciously intentional or don't have stories, or they're just sort of like space fillers, uh, that lack of the, the, the lack of connection is your soul saying, please pay attention, please pay attention. And so well, this was fascinating. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to link to your website in the show notes. Um, and and I, I feel like we could go on and on about this topic because it's so, it's so, it's like, it's one of these things. And the reason I wanted to have you on is it's one of these things. It's so obvious once you see it, like right mm-hmm. in front of you. And, and it's its own kind of almost like spatial consciousness. We talk about spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. What you're doing and you're bringing Bev is you're bringing spatial consciousness to people. And I guarantee you that they're not necessarily going, yes, I moved this piece of furniture to here. Cause Bev told me to is that no Bev taught me how to know where to put things. Yeah. And that is, that is a un- very unique gift that you have. And so there's a lot more happy people and happy spaces out there because of you. So I thank you so much for that. Yes, there are. It is, it's one of the, the, I've had a number of jobs throughout my career. This is the most fulfilling 
peace that I have ever been able to, to do. And, and I do, I feel like I bring peace. I bring balance. I, I at least shift perspectives. If, you know, if things go back to where they were before, then that's fine. But at least again, it's all about the choice. It's an informed choice. choice. That's right. And (laughs) that's awesome. And we need more of that. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks again, Justin. Love to do it again sometime. All right.